get ready. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Play to Win podcast, a podcast where we break down the week's biggest gaming news through in-depth discussions. My name is Tyler, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Karen. Karen, man, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I can't complain. I've had a very chill week. It's nice and sunny outside. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well too. You know, it was a chill week for me as well. Uh, as you said, the, the sun is coming on out. It's getting warm. You know, spring is here. Uh, was pretty rainy this week, which is annoying sometimes, you know, especially when you got, it's like heavy rain and then the wind is coming as well at the same mm. time and you got to kind of have to walk a bit. It could be annoying, but you know, it, it's been a good week. It was a good week overall. I, I complain really. You know, as you can see, everybody, I'm actually in a different spot in my house. I'm not in my room this week um, because my internet has just been really poor this week <laughs> and didn't want to risk recording in my room and just connections dropping out and being fluctuating and stuff like that. So I said, you know what? Come down here to the desktop computer right next to where the router and modem are, and it'll be a fantastic here. Shouldn't be a problem. So enjoy my computer room and a bit of my living room back there. And over here is like the staircase to the bottom floor, the first floor where the kitchen and stuff is. So mm. yeah, you also might see my brother kind of walk by at some point in time because he's going to be heading out in a little bit. So see you some new spots in the house. Nice, nice stuff for everybody. I am still in my room. <laughs> Karen, Karen has not moved. He, his spot is the go-to spot for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I basically just sit here for the week and wait to record. Yeah, <laughs> he sits there. Did you have you ever seen Parks and Recreation? I have not. No. Oh man, there's a um, there's a part, there's a scene in like episode season, I think five or six. There's an episode where um, two of the characters Ben and April, they're like DC, I think, and there's this guy in their office who is like, they think he's like a robot because he sits there's like this like. <laughs> And like he's in his office staring at nothing, just like staring at a wall, mm. just like that. And when he talks, he's like, Yeah, things are great. Mm. It's all good, guys. And then like when he he does that, he turns it all when he needs to. And then when he's not doing anything, he just straight facing it. So yeah. I'm just like imagining you just like, yeah, I'm just sitting in my room, but I just sit here all week waiting to record. Just like basically, yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how that goes. <laughs> oh boy but yes this is the play to win podcast remember you can follow us on twitter and instagram at play to win game we made sure to write it down this week because <laughs> we don't want to have any more <laughs> mix-ups of thinking yeah. it's one but it's really the other T- twitter and instagram at play to win game follow us over there for updates on the show and all that good jazz also remember to subscribe to us on YouTube. When you subscribe to us on YouTube, turn on that notification bell so you know when videos go up and you can be one of the first people to see them. Subscribe over there, leave likes, leave comments, um, you know, watch the videos. Yesterday, Karen put out, well, yesterday as of when we record, Karen put out his Friday video re- um, reacting to the Resident Evil showcase, the story trailer that yes. came out. We'll talk about the showcase a little bit more later on in the show. But Kieran reacted to that. It, it's a good watch. Go ahead, give it a watch. He's he's never played a Resident Evil fan. I mean, Resident Evil game. He's not a Resident nope. Evil fan. So 
you know, it's it's an interesting perspective for him to have. Yeah, yeah, I, I get everything a hundred percent correct. <laughs> totally, he doesn't make a single mistake. No, 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 no big not. mistakes at all during that reaction. Yeah, I'm super up to date on my Resident Evil lore. Right, he knows all about Wesker and the ins and outs of Umbrella Corps and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> expect the encyclopedia to just burst yeah. when he's watching this trailer, okay? Don't expect anything less. No, no, don't don't expect any <laughs> mistakes whatsoever. But yeah, go give that a watch. Uh, go give all our Friday videos a watch. Uh, the one I did before that was preview of Knockout City. If you haven't seen that, go give that a watch. Uh, all, our, all our Friday videos, go give them a watch. And if you are listening on a podcast audio service, make sure to please subscribe over there. Leave, you know, reviews, leave comments, all that stuff. Share the show with friends, family, anyone and everybody. Spread the word, spread the play to win love. You know, that way we get more people in on the show. With all that being said, though, we're going to start getting into the episode. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the March 2021 NPDs releasing. We're going to talk about E3 partnering with some industry media outlets for this year's event. And we'll also talk about, as I said, the Resident Evil Showcase. But we do have a couple brief mentions to get through first. And there's there's a fair amount of brief mentions here, but a lot of them are just real easy for us to go right on through. So first up being that IO Interactive, developers of Hitman, uh, soon to be a James Bond game, and a new IP, they have opened a third studio in Barcelona and they announced this over on their on their website a blog post saying that you know they're proud to announce that they're opening the studio in um, in Barcelona it's going to be known as IOI Barcelona and it joins their Copenhagen and Malmo I believe I pronounced that correct um it's going to be joining them as their third studio and it's going to be working um with them on Hitman on the James Bond game and their new IP so that's exciting stuff Good for them. Happy to see them expanding and, you know, having more people to help them make these great games, really. (laughs) Um, Next up, we have the Oculus Quest 2. Some big news regarding that, um, but not much to say about it right now. I imagine we'll hear more about it next week. Um, Oculus Quest 2 is going to be able to be wirelessly streaming VR games that you would ordinarily have to play while connected to the PC with the Oculus Rift. Uh, it's going to be part... I'm reading this from an IGN article here by Adam Bankhurst. Uh, Oculus kind of announced this earlier in the week. Uh, and it's going to be able to do this through an Oculus AirLink feature that'll allow you to wirelessly play PSC VR games and native support for 120 hertz. And yeah, this is awesome. This is cool. Because um, I mean, as of right now, like the Quest 2 is awesome. I have mine. I haven't played it that much in like recent weeks or months because... Whenever I play it now, it like slides down on my head. Mm. Uh, so I need to figure out like a weight distribution system because I play it for like half an hour and then like I'm constantly like pushing it back up. Yeah. It's really annoying. Um, but like the Quest 2 is awesome. It's an awesome device being able to wirelessly play VR games. Like that is a dream for VR. So being able to play some of the more intense games that are, you know, that you need to be plugged into a PC with, but like wirelessly, that's awesome. Yeah, you know it's it, it's super cool. It's going to open up a lot more. Excuse me. It's going to open up a lot more games to be played for people who might not have had you know or might not have access to a gaming PC. So it's it's very cool that they're doing this, and I'm excited to see what games you are going to be able to stream. Right. 
So I mean, as of right now, um, the feature is going to launch in experimental mode, and you know, it's it's going to be you. It's going to be done through like a Wi-Fi connection um, for the Quest Two. So that's how it'll be done. But um, one game that the IGN article has here listed, or at that they state not listed but stated here, is Half Life Alex. Mm. So that is. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, get excited for that. Um, like I said, I'm sure we'll hear more about this next week because there is an Oculus Gaming Showcase happening on April 21st. I believe, what's today? Today is the 17th. Yes. 24th, 23rd. That is a Wednesday. Next week, Wednesday. Well, when we record this, not next week, but eight, Wednesday, April 21st, 3 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Pacific time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. BST um, is when we will be having this um, Oculus Gaming Showcase. Um, and again, IGN article here by Adam Bankhurst. It says that this um, Oculus event is going to feature updates on Pistol Whip, Lone Echo 2, Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, and more. Uh, the event is, according to Oculus, quote, wholly dedicated to the stellar games across the Oculus platform. So... Look forward to that. I will probably, I might watch it if I'm able to sit down and watch it at that time, but I'll definitely catch up on what they announced because I have the Quest 2 and I'm invested in the VR ecosystem now. So that's awesome. Um, let's see. Other brief mentions real quickly. Days Gone, uh, the PC release date has been officially announced and confirmed. It will be coming to PC on May 18th. And it'll be featuring ultra-wide support, an unlocked frame rate, better fidelity, and a host of other, you know, cool features. It's going to be like a nice photo mode there. A bunch of stuff. There's a trailer out for it, so go give that a watch. Speaking of Days Gone, though, we have a little bit of an update on what we talked about last week on the podcast regarding Days Gone 2 and how Sony denied Sony Ben's um, pitch for the game. And Jeff Ross, he was on a podcast with, uh, well, on a live stream, I should say, with original God of War creator David Jaffe and he was just talking about the game and uh, really the article that um, that that Bloomberg piece was all about and Ross you know he wasn't able to confirm if Days Gone 2 was rejected because you know NDAs and stuff like that he did reveal um, some stuff about the pitch he submitted and in the IGN article here by Matt Perslow it says quote we want a co-op from the beginning in Days Gone 1, but obviously you have to make concessions for what you're not going to be able to do, end quote, explained Ross during the conversation, as reported by VGC. When asked by Jaffe if the ideas for a co-op mode would have been implemented in a sequel, Ross said, quote, it's one of the things that we had in our pitch, yeah. It was the idea of a shared universe with co-op play, end quote. And then when he goes on to, to explain his vision for the co-op, Ross described it as, quote, taking this world that you've built and all these assets and systems and repurpose them for some sort of similarly themed multiplayer version of this universe. So it will be with guys like Deacon trying to survive, building up a clubhouse or a crew. I think it would be that I think it would be fun to be in that world cooperatively and see what horde battles could be like, end quote. So that that I I'm assuming that is the pitch that they, you know, that they brought to Sony. Yeah. And, well, yes, he, this is the pitch that he submitted to Sony. Um, like we said last week when we talked about this, you know, sometimes when it, just because Sony denied their pitch does not, does not necessarily mean that they don't want, a, don't want a sequel or that they cannot make a sequel. Yeah. It could be that, 
you know, the pitch just wasn't all that good. It could be that they're saying, hey, you know, retool the pitch and come back to us with something different um, for it. And we can see where that, where, they, uh, where that goes. I'm happy this pitch got denied. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this idea. Um, because like it says here, if it, it says, you know, it's a co-op mode, but it kind of feels like this was going to be heavily implemented into the main yeah. game as a whole. And I feel like that takes away from the story of Days Gone. I don't want Days Gone to become a co-op, not live service, but like a co-op, you know, shared universe type game. Like if it was its own mode, a separate mode from the main story, the single player story, that's one thing. But if you were like implementing it into the main game and trying to, you know, do it like that, this idea I'm not really that fond of. So I'm kind of happy that they said, yeah, let's not go with this pitch. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think, I mean, again, I haven't played Days Gone. I didn't really have any interest in it before it came out. After I saw some gameplay for it, I was like, eh, it looks okay. But, um, I mean, I've, I've said this before, not every game needs co-op. You can absolutely just release a game that's single player only. I think Days Gone 2 would have benefited from that. Cause how, was there any multiplayer in the first one? There was not, strictly single player. Then yeah, why would I, I don't I don't understand why you would then want to go from a strictly single player game to basically kind of like an, an MMO essentially, like if see, if it's a big shared universe. Yeah, see, I don't know if it was like gonna be MMO type style. Maybe it would have been like um, I don't even know if I'd say like Destiny in a sense mm. um, in terms of like how live service it was. Sorry, yeah. it was an ant. And I was just like get away. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, here's the thing, the pitch idea on paper, it sounds fine. Like the pitch idea is fine. It's a cool idea, which I think if explored more and fleshed out more could be interesting, but for its own mode, not fully integrated into the main campaign and all like that. Like if it, if it was a thing where it's like, yeah, we're the the single player and the co-op blend together, you know, then it's just like. And not really feeling that, you know, but if it was his own thing, like how Watch Dogs Legion is getting its having a multiplayer mode kind of coming a bit on. I think the multiplayer is out now, actually, but like the multiplayer for Watch Dogs Legion is separate from the main story. It's not. Although, I mean, very different games with Watch Dogs. The multiplayer has always been kind of seamless with the single player, but you kind of get what I mean, what I'm going for here. Yeah. It was its own separate mode. Then sure. But even then, like, it, we'd have to see. But I'm kind of happy that the pitch as it was kind of got denied. I'm not really feeling the idea too much for what a full Days Gone 2 would have been, like the actual main game. Um, um, sorry, I'm, I'm going to take us off on a very quick tangent. Are you a fan of Bioshock? I am. I played the first and Infinite. Love them both. So there's a bunch of... Uh, this isn't confirmed or anything. This is just stuff I've seen floating around this week. The uh, apparently Bioshock Four is going to be an open world RPG. Which I did see that. I do not agree with in the slightest. I like Bioshock as a linear story. I don't need it to be a massive open world RPG. I I don't think again this similarly to not everyone get every game needs multiplayer. You don't have to make your game this big open world. You can. I would be more more than happy. If they if they announce Bioshock Four and it's just the same as like Infinite Two and One, just this linear 
you know, mission after mission after mission story. I, I, I don't want Bioshock to be an open world game. I think, now I didn't read some rumors. I just saw like the headline. I didn't read any, yeah. any of them because I actually forgot about that. Um, I think though, I'll try to say this real quickly so we can keep on moving. Yeah. I think that Bioshock could work as an open world game um, because the cities just kind of lend themselves that like explore yeah. type um, aspect and all. I think it could work, um, but it would really depend on how well they do it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Like I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to imagine like Rapture, right? You're in Rapture and let's say you get there and you have like your main through line story, but you can also, you know, go explore, like you could go over here and like go find, um, Who's the, who's the theater guy? That guy who like had all the people in the mask and stuff like that came out oh, came down the stairs, like him. Yeah. that guy, him. It's like you go over and you like find him and you do some missions for him, and then like while you're doing missions for him, you could come across another person. You know, maybe say the doctor, the doctor guy who was like real creepy yeah. and stuff like that. Come across him, and maybe he has a mission for you, or maybe. You take him out, and then you find someone that he was like about to hurt, and then you save them, and they give you something for saving him, or they point you in the direction of another mission. I can, I think Bioshock could lend itself to open being an open world game in a sense. Yeah, no, and this this is the last thing I'll say on it. Um, I I agree that Bioshock would would work as an open world. I think that I think though that's one of the games that makes more sense for. I just. I personally don't want it to be an open world game. I'm very happy with Bioshock just being a linear, you know, linear story. Yeah, yeah. same here. Um, I'll definitely have to see what it is when yeah. it eventually comes out. Um, but I'm on the same page with you with, with that. Like, I'm per- totally fine with it staying as is linear story based yeah. shooter, all that jazz. Um, all right, three more brief mentions here. Uh, Square Enix, they there were rumors this week that they were going to be, um, well, that they were possibly going to be acquired by some company. No one knew what company, but there were rumors that, hey, there are companies out there looking to acquire Square Enix. Um, Square Enix came out and denied the rumors. They put out a really short press release saying, quote, Bloomberg has reported today that there is interest from several buyers to acquire Square Enix. However, this report is not based on any announcement by Square Enix Holdings Company LTD. We do not consider selling off the company or any part of its businesses, nor have we received any offer from any third party to acquire the company or any part of its businesses. So that's not happening. Square Enix shut it down, but we will come back to that later on the show for our yes. question of the episode. Um, next up, there was a Nintendo Indie World event this week. Showed off some pretty cool indie games. I saw the whole event. Um, I was actually very impressed with it. I saw, I was like, oh, wow, there's like a lot of stuff here that I actually like. Like everything here was pretty cool. Um, one of the games they showed, like some of the games actually came out the same day as the event. One of the games they showed called, it's called The Longing, where basically you play as this shade who, uh, you're like the last shade there. And the king is like in this eternal, like the super long slumber or whatever. So you have to, the shade is waiting 400 days for the king to come back. Uh, so you can like do stuff with him and all, except it's 400 days in real time. <laughs> oh, so yeah, like 400 real time days. <laughs> <laughs> so like you watch the trailer, like 
He's like, oh, right, guess I'll walk over here. I guess I'll read this book. And it was like, the, as the shade is walking around, there's one part where you walk upstairs. He's like, ah, no rush. I got, I got time. I got to rush up these stairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, apparently there's puzzles and stuff in it. It that one looked really cool. Um, there's another one. There's no game. Wrong dimension. There is no game. Wrong dimension. That's what it's called. It's like a comedy point and click adventure type game. Um, there's another one. Aerial Knights Never Yield. It's like a runner game. Mm, like, yeah. I guess, almost like endless runner, but a runner game. Uh, looked cool. I played the demo. I wasn't that impressed by it. It's okay. Um, but I mean, it, it looks cool. It looks cool. It has a nice soundtrack. I really like the soundtrack for that game. Um, there were a bunch of other games. Anna Perner showed off some cool games like Last Stop. Um, I don't, there's another one, Road 96, not Anna Perna, but it's like procedural road trip adventure game. So like every, every time you do it, it's like you, the story that you're going through is different and all like that. And like where you're going and all is, is different. It looked really cool. Uh, we saw some footage of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge coming to Switch later on this year. It's like a beat-em-up, an old-school style beat-em-up. Mm. That looked cool. Um, Ali Ali World is another one that I wanted to highlight. I've never played an Ali Ali game at all. I saw this trailer and I was like, yo, this looks cool. This looks fun. I actually might have to give this a shot because it's going like open world type. Um, so it looked really nice. If you haven't checked it out yet, definitely give it a look. Um, House of the Dead remake is coming to the Switch. Uh, Karen, Karen is, if you're not watching, he is smiling very hard right now at House of the Dead remake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Karen, why are you smiling very hard at that? I, I remember playing this game in the arcade. I'm fairly confident there was a PS1 or PS2 version of it as well that I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I played. But um, no, I, I I remember playing this. Like this was my go-to game when I went to the arcade as a kid. So I am I am very 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 excited for this. I'm a hundred percent picking this game up. <laughs> yeah, I I never played House of the Dead in the arcades. I remember seeing it. Just never felt like playing it. But this is awesome that maybe I will play it like this on the Switch. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then uh, there was also a sizzle reel showing off a bunch of different games. Uh, like Fez is on the Switch now. Um, there was this other game in there. I forgot what it's called. Um, but basically, like, it has a really nice art style. It looks like something you would see in like one of those. It looked like kind of like a Where's Waldo type of art style in a sense. Mm. Where... Um, if you go to the link that I have in the doc, Karen, um, go to the link, skip to like the 18, here we go. Skip to 1852. It's called Labyrinth City, Pierre the Bay's Detective. This, I don't, I don't know much about the game because there's this in the sizzle reel, but I love the art style. It looks really cool. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on this game. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely see what you mean with the where's... Uh, fun fight in the UK, it's Where's Wally? Ah, I did not know that. Now I know. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that one looks really cool. Um, and then the final thing in the show was uh, Oxen Free 2, Lost Signals. That got announced. I've never played any, uh, I never played the first Oxen Free game, but I, I know when this game got announced, people lost their minds. They were like, what? A sequel's happening? Mm. So big deal that this is coming out. Um, but yeah. That was everything shown at the Nintendo Direct for the Indies event. Um, I was very impressed by everything that was shown here. I'm looking forward to a lot of those games. Um, so yeah, give it a watch if you haven't. There's some cool stuff there. 
keep your eye posted on the Switch for more ND stuff coming in the future. And our final brief mention is that we have the first Ubisoft Forward for E3 2021 has been announced. It is happening on June 12th at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. GMT. Um, that's We got a date. We know nothing about what's there. Nope. <laughs> they didn't say that. They simply said, hey, we're at E3 at this day, this time. Be there or be square. Um, who knows what will be there, though? We will have to wait and see. Uh, we might talk about this some more later on in the show where we talk about E3 partnering with uh, different media partners, so we won't talk too much about it now. Yeah. But that got announced. That's happening. And that's exciting. That's our final brief mention of the episode. So now we're going to actually get into the main news of the store, uh, main news of the week. Uh, and first up, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk numbers for a bit. Exciting numbers, but numbers nonetheless. We're going to talk about March 2021's NPDs. They got released yesterday, Friday, yesterday as a recording. Um, and there is some noteworthy stuff here. So Matt Piscatella over from the NPD group, if you don't know the NPDs, they kind of track the U.S. sales data in regards to the gaming industry and stuff like that. I think the NPD group does it like a number of different fields and all, but Matt Piscatella is with the gaming field of it and all yeah. like that. So these numbers are all just, all this information is just the U.S. based. It's not worldwide, just U.S. Keep that in mind. So we're just going to start off with the big deal here. The PS5 is now the fastest selling console in U.S. history. I'm going to say that one more time. The PS5 is the fastest selling console in U.S. history. It sold more in units and in dollar sales than any other console in the first five months of their respective lifetimes. Wow. I mean, Kieran. Good job, Sony. That's mighty impressive. Like, they, and it, it's crazy. It's impressive for a couple of reasons. One, the fact that they did that, period. Like, yeah. they did that. They did that thing. <laughs> Two, they did it in a pandemic. We're, we are currently in a pandemic, yeah. and it is the fastest selling console in U.S. history. Now, of course, bots are out here buying up a bunch of them. Yeah. Sony doesn't care, though, because it's still the fastest selling console in U.S. history. Yeah. Like, literally everyone that is being made is being sold. It's crazy. But also, three, they said prior to the launch of the console, I think prior to the launch of the console or shortly after it came out, that they could see themselves selling more PS5s than the PS4 did in the same amount of time. Yeah. Now, granted, I think when they said that they meant worldwide, I don't know if they meant just US, but I do know that I think it was in February, Sony put out things saying that they shipped more than, I think it was 4.5 million, either that much or more than 4.5 million consoles in 2020. And I think that was for worldwide, not just the U.S. So yeah. when we have, when we take that into account and then this into account, it's almost guaranteed. They're got, they, they, they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they double like the amount of consoles that yeah. they sold worldwide by then, by, you know, whenever their deadline is, you know, wanted to sell more PS5s and PS4s. This is just insane. I mean, it, it makes sense that they, they could potentially have doubled what they sold in 2020 because, I mean, the, the PS5 launched in November, 
which is like right. the second last month of the year, whereas we are now, what, over halfway through April? So they've, I mean, in the last four months, I imagine they've sold more than, pro- probably right. more than 4.5 million. Right. And like this, I mean, this is just from March. So like, yeah. who knows how much they've sold up to this point now in April? Like this is just, it's crazy. And it goes to show that the P- demand for the PS5 is strong. And peep and like Sony is just whatever Sony's doing over there, it's clearly working because yeah. people are buying their consoles. People want their consoles, and you know, like we had the talk last week about is Sony out of touch or and all like that, and we said no. Like we ultimately said no. We don't think they're out of touch. No, but like this kind of goes to show that people are. It doesn't. People. I don't want to say people don't necessarily care or doesn't necessarily matter. But people are still out there buying the consoles. People still want it. Yeah. It's it's really crazy. It's just absolutely insane to see. Um, important to note with the MPDs, there are no actual like official numbers for like how much of the consoles were yeah. sold. So we don't we can't say, oh, there's two hundred thousand of them sold in March or anything like that. We can't say that. We just now know it's the fastest selling console in the US in US history. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, this now second piece of note, um, noteworthy information here. The Switch is also the best selling hardware for both units and dollar sales in March, and it was the best selling in unit sales for the first quarter of the year. But the PS5 was the best selling in terms of dollar sales for the first quarter of the year, which makes sense. The PS5 is more expensive than the Switch, yeah. Um, again, the Switch is being a juggernaut, Karen. Yeah. The, even though two next-gen consoles are out, although the PS5 is the fastest-selling console in U.S. history, the Switch still sold more consoles than the PS5 in March. Yeah, I mean, I I genuinely don't think anything is going to be overtaking the Switch for, like, the number one console anytime soon. Like, it's yeah. it's been the number one-selling console for at least 27 months in a row. Right. So... I, I, I don't think anything's overtaking it for quite a while until the Switch Pro comes out. Right. And it's like, I wonder though, well, one, I actually wonder when the Switch Pro comes out, if those numbers will just be included with the Switch as a whole instead of uh, having maybe like the, I think that would make more sense. Tracking things. Um, but I think the bigger question is, will the Switch, will the Switch and the PS5 keep up their momentum? Because the PS5 is selling really strong, really like doing gangbusters in terms of numbers yeah. during a pandemic when supply is in no way, shape, or form able to meet demand. But once the, once the supply is able to meet demand, is the Switch still going to be able to outpace the PS5 or the Series X at all? Like, is it going to be able to outpace both of them? Will it still be in line with them? Will it still be, will it fall back some? Who's going to end up coming out on top? And I think we'll we'll see that. We'll have a better idea of that once you know, once we see what is what each of those companies has come June, you know, come E three time, yeah, what they announce, and also once we kind of get to a better place in terms of supply and demand, and then we see that you know people are actually able to get them easily and all like that, then we'll have a better idea. Yeah, as as much as it pains me to say it, I reckon that the Switch will keep up with the Series X, but not the PS five. I. I feel like that will be the case as well. Because I think the PS5, it's just... 
it's just doing crazy. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more so doing it from the math that more, more people are likely to upgrade from a PS4 to a PS5 than they are a PS4 to a Series X. So, and there mm-hmm. are a hundred, as far as I'm aware, last time I checked, so don't quote me on the exact number, but last time I checked, there was over 120 million PS4 owners. Whereas I think Xbox only has like 60 or 70 million unofficially because they stopped announcing numbers a while ago. Yeah. So, I mean, just just from just from like a math perspective, there there's double the amount of PS4 owners than there are Xbox One owners. So I, I it right. would not surprise me if more of those people upgraded to PS5 than more of the Xbox people upgraded to the Series X. True, true. I do wonder though. Again, there's Game Pass. We got to take that into account. Yeah. I wonder how much how how much of an impact Game Pass is going to have in terms of pulling people over to buy an Xbox. If, if especially they, as they make these bigger deals and you know next the next rumor is that uh game pass is going to get battlefield 6 day one i've seen that rumor floating around a lot this week i mean yes please yeah if that happened that'd be insane that'd be great for xbox that'd be great for ea that'd yeah. be great for dice it'd be like a huge deal um so i mean game pass is also there like that could help sell a whole lot of xboxes yeah but i still think the switch is going to be the Switch will probably be at pace with the Xbox. Yeah. I don't know if it will surpass the PS5. It really depends on if PS5 like slows down the momentum at any point in time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely have to wait and see. It's very interesting though. All right. But now we're going to run down the tw- the top 20 best selling games of March, okay? Now, this is going to be fun because I didn't I purposely did not Put it in here, Karen, because I want to run down it. Because I want to, I want you to kind of guess what the top twenty oh, are. Goodness, I don't okay. even know. I I can't even remember what games came out in March. Okay, well, start remembering. <laughs> start remembering. All right, so number one here. Well, again, this is for yeah. This is get. It's not just about what games came out in March. It's just the top twenty best selling games for okay. the month of March. Okay, so what would you expect number one to be? Mm. Can't be Outriders because Outriders came out this month. No, but it's in the top five. Uh, okay. Um, it ha- it has to be something like one. Animal Crossing or something like that, right? No, number one best-selling game of March: Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number one. Oh, Call of Duty. That, that's actually kind of surprising. Really? Call of Duty always is like yeah, no, I know, like, like, like I, at the top of the list every um every month. Oh, I I I had assumed that anyone who wanted Black Ops Cold War by now had Black Ops Cold War. Nah, Call of Duty's they they are like top charters for like their entire year mm. whenever they come out. If not number one, they're like in the top. Yeah. Five. Uh, Matt Pescatella here says that Black Ops Cold War returned to the top of the monthly bestsellers this month. Uh, last month it was number two. Uh, and Black Ops Cold War is also the best-selling game of both the first quarter of this year as well as the past 12 months. So from March of last year to March of this year, yeah. it's the best-selling game. Interesting. Is, it's interesting, though not that surprising. And yeah. again, this is all U.S. numbers. Okay, people? Okay. All U.S. numbers. Because I know some people are thinking, but what about Animal Crossing? What about that? These are just U.S. numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, I mean... You know, the Switch is still the best-selling console. I imagine a lot of people pick up Animal Crossing with their Switch. So I, I, I would have assumed it was Animal Crossing. No, Animal Crossing, it's here. 
but it's not number one. Okay. Uh, all right, number two. Number. What do you think number two is? This is a Switch game. Okay. It is a Switch game. I'll give you that hint. Is it? Mm, oh, is it um, Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury? No, but that is very close. Not number two. Hmm. It came out last month, so I thought it might be. Um, this game did come out last month. It, it is a Switch game. Pass. Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, number two. I should have guessed that. My friend is obsessed <laughs> with that game right now. Yes, Matt Piscatella, he, he says here, Monster Hunter Rise debuted as March's second best-selling game and was also the first best-selling game on the Switch with only one month on the market. Lifetime dollar sales of Monster Hunter Rise ranked second amongst all Monster Hunter franchise releases coming behind only Monster Hunter World. So in the one month that it's been on sale, it is second best-selling in the entire franchise. Yeah. That is wow like that it, it goes show that world really penetrated the like the mainstream for yeah. monster hunter and rise just is benefiting from that game's success yeah i i think that if if rise had been multi-platform it would have been number one for last month that's that's a good question i i could see that happening i could see it possibly have surpassing black ops if it was multi-platform now, number three. This is another new game from March. Um, it's multi-platform. New game. Came out last month. You got this. I've, I care, and you got this. I, you got this. Is it something I've already said? You did say it. I did say it was on here. It's not a Nintendo game. Is that Riders? It is Outriders number three. Yeah, there you go. I finally got one. Yeah. <laughs> Outriders launched as the third best-selling game of March, and Outriders ranked as the third best-selling game on Xbox and PlayStation for March. Great job to out to Square Enix and people can fly. Good for them. Yes, I will. I, I will have a little bit more to say about that later on. <laughs> um. So now number four is. Let's see. It is another one you said. Is it Bowser's Fury? Yes, yeah, Super Mario 3D World, Bowser's yeah. Fury. Um, important to note here, the MPDs, do, uh, they don't ha include um, Nintendo's digital sales for their games. Because uh, so, Nintendo first-party games, they just don't provide. Yeah. Nintendo themselves don't provide those digital sales numbers. So it's possible that with those numbers included, 3D World could be higher in the US. But as of yeah. right now, with what we know, it's number four. Number five on the list. This game is a PlayStation game. Um, Did not come out this year. Oh, interesting. Is it Miles Morales? Yes, it is. Number five, mm -hmm. Miles Morales from March. Good job. I didn't have to give you too many hints on no. that one. Uh, that's, that's great. We're going to talk about that one again in a bit, actually. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'll say it now. Miles Morales... For the past, so there's another graph here, right? Mm. We had, which has the top 10 games for the past 12 months from March of last year to March of this year. Black Ops Cold War is number one. Madden 21 is number two. Modern Warfare is three. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is four. Miles Morales is number five. That's important 
because it comes above Animal Crossing, New Horizons, The Last of Us Part Two, and Ghost of Tsushima. In just the five months it's been on sale, it has sold more than those three games. That's very impressive. Now, again, this is just in the U.S. Yeah. But Miles Morales, in the five months it's been on sale, sold more than Animal Crossing, Last of Us, and Ghost of Tsushima did in all of last year. That's... I mean, okay, that's very, very impressive. I don't know if I'm entirely surprised because... Spider-Man is regarded as like one of the best PS4 games. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't I'm not really surprised that Miles Morales has sold as much as it has. I would be very interested to see how much of that one is on PS4 versus PS5. Yeah, uh that data is not here. I'm sure someone out there has it. Yeah. I feel like I've seen some people talk about it, but it's still amazing regardless. Oh yeah, 100 percent That is insane. It sold more than Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us and Animal Crossing. And again, there's only there's only the US. Animal Crossing does not the digital sales included. So Animal Crossing very likely could be higher. But it's still like Spider-Man's great. So we it's already gonna sell because of that. But that's just like Insomniac just deserves all the good, all the praise that they get. Like they deserve it all. And it says to me, one, like that Sony buying Insomniac at the price that they did, which was like 200 something million was kind of a steal. Oh yeah, with like definitely. They're getting with all the value they're getting out of them since then. And two, when the next Spider-Man game comes out, it's going to sell huge numbers. Oh yeah. Like just going to sell huge numbers. I, yes, I, I think the one like asterisk for that is that one is definitely going to be PS5 only. I very much doubt they're going to put that on PS4. How many people are going to have PS5s by that time? I imagine that game comes out next year at the earliest. At the earliest. I'm not saying it definitely will, but next year is the earliest I can see that game coming out. Mm, I would have said said 2023 at the earliest. I do not think that's a next year game. I mean, I don't think it is either. I think 2023 is very realistic and more likely. Yeah. But I also didn't expect Miles Morales to come out when it did. Fair, yeah. Like Spider-Man 2018 came out in 2018. This came out at the launch of the PS5. Yeah. Granted, that is three years. That is true. But I still didn't expect that quick a turnaround. You know, yes, it is a it is a smaller game. The map's the same largely, you know, yes, different season and all like that, but smaller game and also it's a bit easier to get it together in two years. I mean, I mean three years. Mm. No, wait, not three years, two years. I'm 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 thinking that it came out 2021. No, it came out 2020. Two years to turn around on that. So I Earliest would be next year, but I don't think that'll happen. I think it's like 2022, as you said. Yeah. I mean, 23. I'm getting my numbers all mixed up. (laughs) All right. So now number six on the list is, uh, I'm not going to make you guess this one. It's Mario Kart 8. Okay. For March 2021, Mario Kart 8, sixth best-selling game. It's crazy that Mario Kart 8 is still in the top 10 all these years later. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an insanely popular game. And, and I mean, like I said earlier, with all the people who are buying Switches right now, I imagine that some of maybe the older Nintendo games that are a bit more high profile are going to be selling quite well. Yeah, it's just, it's awesome. Um, yeah. As I saw some people saying, this kind of like dampers any hopes for Mario Kart 9 anytime soon, because yeah. why would they when 8 is still selling so well? Um, number seven is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, which is cool. 
Number eight. I want you to kind of guess this one. It is one you said earlier. Mm. I think the only one that I said that I haven't guessed is Animal Crossing. Yes, Animal Crossing came in number eight. Okay. Last month it was number 10. So got up, jumped up to number eight for this month. Number nine, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And rounding out the top 10, I want you to guess this game. You might not expect this one to be the top 10, but it is. Um, this game is everywhere, but it is an old game. Minecraft. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I said those two things. You're like, oh, bam. Yeah. It, well, I was like, well, I mean, Minecraft's a very consistently popular seller. Yeah, true, true. Um, I'll just list off the last, um, the round of the top 20 here. Number 11 is Modern Warfare. Number 12, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. 13 is Pokemon Sword and Shield. 14, Mortal Kombat 11. 15 is Crash 4. It's about time. 16 is Breath of the Wild. 17, Madden 21. 18 is NBA 2K21. 19 is Super Mario Party, which actually surprised me. I forgot the game existed. And then number 20 for March 2021 is FIFA 21. Ugh. Great month of March. Yeah, I mean, all, all well, I was going to say all of those games are, are good. Most of those games are good. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there is one in particular that I um, detest. Which one is that? Uh, FIFA. I hate oh. FIFA with a passion. Is it because of the money scheme behind it? I mean, it's just... I just don't like FIFA, right? I I, I just I, I don't under, I don't understand why, like why you wouldn't just play th an interesting game. <laughs> like I'm I'm all sorry for all you people who love FIFA. I'm just like play something else, please. All the football slash soccer fans out there are like coming to your door. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get the like, pitchforks and the torches. What do you mean? What do you mean FIFA's not interesting? Oh boy, man. You've incurred the wrath of them and possibly Resident Evil fans. <laughs> well, I, I think I think definitely Resident Evil fans. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so finishing up here with the March 2021 MPDs. Um, when it comes to accessories, the DualSense was the best-selling accessory in dollar sales for the month of March and for the first quarter of the year. Um, March had a record 300 million dollars uh, in three in accessory sales, which is it's cool. Uh, that's 26% higher than it was in 2020. Accessory sales in the first quarter of this year were $717 million, which is 42% higher than it was last year, which is, that's cool. Interesting. I think what is very um, cool to take away here from this all though is overall consumer spending in March for 2021 was 18% higher than last year for a month record of $5.6 billion. Consumer spending for the first quarter was $14.9 billion, well, $14.9 billion, which is 30% higher than last year, which to me says, even though we're in a pandemic, gaming is still thriving. People are still buying yep. games, buying consoles, and, you know, the pandemic is not really slowing things down for us. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not surprised that this year is higher than last, mainly because of, you know, new hardware is coming out. So I, I, I 
don't think that it's really a shock that, you know, this year is, is much higher spending than last year. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's it's still very impressive. It still proves that gaming is one of the largest hobbies on the planet. So, and I don't think that's ever going to, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Right. Now, I do, excuse me, I do wonder if, I mean, I didn't look at the numbers for last year, for last, like, June, July, August, last summertime, but I wonder what the numbers will be this summer because vaccines are out there. People are getting vaccines. Yep. Things are starting to open up more and more. People are starting to be able to actually go out and do stuff as opposed to last year where, yeah, last summer, people, I mean, some people did go out, but, like, people were more likely to just stay inside and stay home and, you know, not really go out. Yeah. Now that a year has passed, things are opening up and everything like that. I wonder if the spending numbers in, like, June, July, August, like, summertime this year is going to be lower than it was last year. Like, I, I wonder what the comparison is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll quote our motto. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, <laughs> I... I I think there's a strong possibility it might be slightly less than last year, purely because like people might be going back to work, people might be, you know, back to school, whatever. So they they might not have as much time to you know play video games. So yeah, they actually go on a vacation and stuff. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Like I, I I wouldn't be surprised if I don't think there'll be much less than last year because a lot of people are still working from home and being home all the time and having nothing to do but play video games, but. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's slightly lower. Yeah. Neither would I. It'll be interesting to see, though. Um, I like going over the MPDs. <laughs> I don't think we have on the show yet. So, yeah. I, I think we should definitely do this more. Yeah. I I um, I think we've mentioned like a couple figures from a couple MPDs before, but we've never actually gone through the entire thing. Yeah. like I Like, I didn't go through the entire thing either. Well, more so... I did, but I was I was like bullet pointed the, the, yeah. like the stuff. We're not like looking at each individual tweet here. Like I went through each of the tweets and like pulled out what needed to be pulled out and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yes, this is fun. Look forward to us talking about the April NPDs next month and so on and so forth. Uh, it's always interesting information to get from. Now we're gonna move on to talking about E3. Uh, E3 announced this week that they're gonna be partnering with different media partners in the industry. Um, so I'm reading from their press release here. They say, E3 today announced it has joined forces with IGN Future Games, which is PC Gamer and GamesRadar, GameSpot, Polygon, IGN China, and Game Bonfire to extend its reach to video game fans worldwide. With additional media and distribution partners to be announced, E3 2021 will provide an unmatched experience with new levels of access for fans around the globe with major publisher showcases, press conferences, thrilling reveals, extended live streams, and special guest appearances available free online for all attendees. And then, we're going to skip down a bit, they say here, the team at E3 will work hand-in-hand with media partners to integrate and cross-promote programming and coverage within the E3 experience. This includes coordinated broadcast, wide coverage, media talent participation, and original programming, among other features. Then we have a quote here from Stanley Pierre-Louis, president and CEO of the ESA. He says here, quote, we are focused on ensuring that E3 continues to be the most innovative and collaborative event in the video game industry. 
So enlisting some of the industry's biggest media partners to help deliver the highly anticipated news, reveals, and more is crucial to a successful showcase. Each media partner will be in instrumental in driving E3's reach to more fans than ever before. With this year's digital format, we're looking forward to provide our audiences with exciting and unique ways to experience the magic of E3, end quote. Karen, does this news get you more excited for E3? Does it get you more excited for whatever this summer is going to be mm -hmm. like in terms of game showcases and stuff like that? But specifically E3, let's focus in on E3 here. Does this get you more excited for it? Does this give you hope for what E3 is going to be this year? Um, I think it does. I think this is a sign that it's going to be a lot more coordinated than it was last year. I think that there's going to yeah. be like more of a an easy to follow schedule. I've I've said before last year, I, I last year we only really had IGN Summer of Gaming and um, Summer Games for FS from Jeff Keighley, which was easier to follow than the IGN one, but it still wasn't yeah. exactly the most concise and consistent thing to follow. So and it's like even. There was also like, I know GameSpot has something going on, but even aside from them, there was like, there's an indie event here. There's another event there, yeah. another event this day. And like, there were all these different events happening on different days, different times. And then you had the the publishers doing their own things like on a given day yeah. and all like that. It was a lot to follow. Yeah. So I, it, it gives me, gives me confidence that this year is going to be a lot more, a lot more easy to follow. Um, I, I've I've been very critical of of IGN Summer of Gaming in the past because it, it was not easy to follow in the slightest. But I I also want to point out that you know they didn't have a huge amount of time to prepare for that. They didn't. They, they, I I very much believe they did the best they could. So everyone did last year. They were like, right, we had to do something. We'll try to do something the best we can. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm. I mean, I, IGN and that usually have a fairly large presence at E3 anyway, like that's whose coverage I usually watch. Um, mm -hmm. They usually have like pre-shows, post-shows, interviews, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it, it doesn't really surprise me that they're officially partnering with E3, but we'll, we'll wait and see what that entirely entails. Yeah, so you see, I think that E3 doing this is, this is the move, this is what we... Should have had last year, yeah. but we didn't because last year was the test run, the trial run, the, oh, shoot, we got to do something. Run. <laughs> but with the lessons that everyone learned from last year and E3 coming back and with the, all the problems E3 is having, E3 realizing we need to like, we need to kind of try and evolve in some capacity, in some way. Partnering with the different media partners, I think, is the best thing that they could do. And I think that this can work because... E3, it, it could work, but it, all, it could also lead to more confusion because they're saying here, you know, we're going to partner with the different people and like some people will have things, we'll like, we'll kind of like dole things out to different people in the, with our industry partners. What was it they said here? They said, uh, the team at E3 will work hand in hand with media partners to integrate and cross promote programming and coverage within the E3 experience, including coordinated broadcast coverage, media talent participation, original programming and other stuff. So to me, this says like, say for example, say Ubisoft announces uh, Splinter Cell, okay? Say they announce Splinter Cell 
and then that's happening during as part of E3, right? Because yeah. it is. So Ubisoft announced it to say, okay, cool. We announced it and we're showing some gameplay now. But tune in to IGN tomorrow or tune into IGN on this day at this time to see more gameplay. Yeah. And then let's say EA announces Battlefield Bad Company 3. It's not gonna happen. But let's just say they do. <laughs> And they, they announced that as part of their, as part of E3, so assuming they're connected with E3 this year. Let's say they do. They say, okay, we're showing you this here. We'll show you some gameplay here. For a deeper look and a talk with the devs about the game, come to GameSpot on this day, at yeah. this time, for more. Doing it like that will, is a way that it could work out. I think that will allow, it clearly tells people, okay, we see this on this day. If we go here on this time, this day on this time, we could get more about it there. I think it'll work out very well like that. But it could it could easily get very messy and confusing if messages are not clearly delivered. Yeah. I I, I think they need to put a heavy focus on like download our, download our app or check our website because there is a very like clear schedule of where you can watch certain things on like on what yeah. channels it'll have links to where you can watch it, times, who's hosting it, whatever. As long as they have enough documentation to that it's easy to follow and it's it's easy to understand for everyone, then I, I think it's going to go fine. The last thing they want is something like IGN Summer of Gaming last year where it was, it, like I say, it, they did the best they could, but it wasn't the easiest thing to follow in the world. There wasn't, a hundred percent of no that's not how i want to phrase that there wasn't i don't feel like there was enough effort put into like this scheduling kind of part of it not necessarily like when things were on but promoting when things were on and making sure that it was clear when things were on i see i see yeah i didn't watch too much of this stuff last year um because again, it was just, it was a lot trying to keep, it, keep yeah. track of everything. And it's like, one thing's happening one day. Okay, this is with Summer Games Fest. But is this with Summer Games Fest? And are you also with Summer Games Fest? Because Summer Games Fest is supposed to be its whole summer long thing. But who's with it and who's not? And it, you know, if it's like, if you are a Summer Game Fest, you can go to the Summer Game Fest YouTube channel to watch it. But if you're not, do we go? He like, it was a whole lot to try and keep track of. Yeah. I think that what they're planning this year is, like we've said before, bringing everything all together, having everybody collaborate and be on the same page so that we're all we're all working towards the same goal yeah. of giving everybody access to this information, to these showcases, to these interviews, gameplay showcases, whatever you want to call them. We're giving everyone access to it and making it very clear and easy for them to follow and know where to go to get it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how it all plays out. Um, and again, when when Jeff Keighley's thing kind of comes into play with all this, if it's going to be at the same time, is it going to be overlap? I imagine that he will probably try and do his thing after E3, maybe, so that he's not stepping on their toes yeah. and like no one's like there is no overlap of sorts. That way, E3 can be like beginning slash middle of the month. Summer Games Fest, if it is in June, can be end of the month. Or if it's not in June, it could be July. Maybe that's something he'll do. That way there's like, you know, one month is this. Then the next month, we still got more big gaming news. But 
in a more tight and cohesive manner. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's the way I, I, I see it going. I think Jeff Keeley's gonna hold off until after E three and not confuse everyone. I I hope so. I hope no one confuses anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want let's learn from last year, guys. Let's do this better. And I, I also want to ask if this goes well with E3's plan, if this goes well, do we think that this will be the future of E3? Maybe not fully digital. You know, I'm like, you know, next year, I imagine probably in person, a mixture of in person and vir- digital virtual stuff. But do we think that this could actually end up being just the future of E3? Um, I. I don't know. I mean, on, on one hand, it makes sense because I imagine it's cheaper for them to put on an E3 like this where they might at one point, like we talked about either last week or the week before, I can't remember, they might at one point transition to like an old digital thing and then have like a $35 like pass you can buy to get access to everything. So, I mean, I can see them doing that. But I mean, I've I've said this before. I've I've seen developers say that a lot of business gets conducted at E three yeah. in person. So I I, I don't think E three is it. ever going to go away entirely, like physically entirely. But I, I think mm-hmm. as the years go on, there may be more and more of a heavy focus on promoting digital stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think maybe we'll. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Because, I mean, in the past, you know, yeah. like, all the industry partners, they're already there at the show, and they book their stuff with the different developers and stuff. Yeah. But maybe maybe we'll see in the future when it's, like, if it is a mixture of digital and physical in the future, maybe we'll see E3 themselves, like, partner with the different people and continue the cross-promotion in some capacity. Yeah. I don't know. I'm as, as, as you all can see and as you all know, we are not actually in the industry we don't know all the ins and outs and the biz- inner workings yep. of how things work there. Um, so this, all the speculation that we're doing could be for naught. We could be very wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just it, exactly that. It's just speculation. It's fun speculation, though. Yeah. The the only thing that I know the ins and outs of is Resident Evil. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's talk about Resident Evil right now, then. Actually, <laughs> since Kira knows all the ins and outs of it, you yep. can tell us all about the Resident Evil showcase that happened. Uh, earlier this week can you or should nope. I, can I go <laughs> no yes there was a Resident Evil showcase that happened earlier this week um, and it was it was cool but although it didn't really show much it didn't show much new let me say that much we got a new story trailer which again Karen reacted to um, go watch that reaction uh, the trailer I like the trailer I thought the trailer was um it was way more cinematic than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Like, it, I was watching it. I'm like, this feels like a movie trailer, kind of, sort of, almost, with the music and the way things are playing out and all. Um, but for that trailer, what did that trailer do for you? Um, I mean, I'm always happy to see uh, Lady Demetresca. Um, <laughs> yes. Just going to get that out there. But I, um, I mean... Like I said in my reaction video, I've I've never really been hugely into Resident Evil. I've never really kept up with it. The only game that I've played is the Resident Evil 2 reboot, which I enjoyed a fair amount. Um, yeah. 
but this this is the first one that I'm like, this looks pretty damn good actually. I think I'm I, like I'm mm. I, I find myself getting more and more excited for this game the the closer we get to launch, um, which is May seventh. Yeah. So, I thought I, it was May eleventh. Hmm? I thought it was May eleventh. I could be very wrong about that. I thought it was May eleventh. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the trailer it said. Again, I'm I'm possibly yes May seventh. You're right. I don't know okay. why May eleventh was just in my head. <laughs> I was like, wait, did I did I get did I get another thing wrong in my video? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. Um. So yeah, I mean, basically, I'm I'm just I'm I'm getting more and more excited for this game. The story looks very interesting. I'm sure I'm sure the guy dragging you along in chains with the shovel is Troy Baker. I'm sure it is. Ah, uh, for the voice. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I was trying to, I was trying to hear his tell his voice, but I was like, oh, I can't really tell. Because Lady Demetres, like I, I was so close to saying that Lady Demetres, Demetrescu, uh, Demetrescu, is voiced by Laura Bailey because it sounds a lot like her, but I don't think it is. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder is that voice info even out there or not yet? I am way to look it up. Ah, well, while he looks it up, we did get a new trailer at the game for the game. Um, showed off some more environments, some like like underground type caverns and stuff. We saw more of the the lichens. Uh, they're not actually werewolves. They're lichens. We saw more of them. Uh, we saw apparently, apparently everyone in this town knows Ethan Winters because everyone has called him Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters. Hey, Ethan Winters. Um, but it looks really cool. I, for me, this trailer, like you said, it got me more excited for the game. And I'm not a Resident Evil person. I've not played a Resident Evil game. I played all of 10 minutes of the Resident Evil 1 remake and I played the demo for Resident Evil 2 remake. And I did, I almost got Resident Evil 2 remake, but I haven't gotten it yet. But I am really looking forward to this game. I am going to download Bot 7 on my um, PS5 since I have the um, PS Plus collection there. I'm going to download it and I'm going to play it so that one, I could actually decide if I want to play Village, but two, that way if I do want to play it, I'm kind of caught up because, um, since seven and eight, they're like so far distanced from everything else that's happened in the game in the series. Like you don't need to play any of the games before seven to understand anything in seven, as far as I understand. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited for this game. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I'm 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 definitely with you on that one. I mean, I don't know why because I, I mean, like I say, <laughs> I've 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 never been interested in Resident Evil before. I've never like Same been here. like, yes, I I I really want to play that game. But so there's there's some. It's the vampires. It's it's a hundred percent the vampires. See, I think for me, it's the fact that I don't know if it's like my gaming taste is like kind of expanding a little bit yeah. more now. Because again, I normally don't I normally don't care about Resident Evil games. I watch the trailers. I'm like, those are cool. Those are awesome. I understand their impact. Yeah, but I'm normally not interested in them. I normally don't really care for survival horror games because I'm just like, nah, fam, not for me. But this one, I don't know what it is about it, but it's really pulling me in. And I think a big portion of why I'm getting pulled in is the meme of Lady Dimitrescu. Yeah, yeah. I think the meme of her is what's pulling me in so much. I'm just like, lady, ma'am, please just kill me. Yeah. Take me and kill me, yeah. please. Uh, I just checked, actually. Uh, Resident Evil 7 is on Game Pass as well. Oh. So I'm that is awesome. probably going to play that at some point. Yeah, I... 
Huh. Maybe we can see if we can like coordinate when we start it. Mm, I don't know if we'll coordinate. We could. We, I don't know if we could coordinate when we finish it. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe we could coordinate when we yeah. start it and see where we go from there. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Kind of plan along like that. We'll we'll work. We'll talk about that. We'll work that out. Um. So yeah, they they showed the trailer, and then they announced a demo, um, coming for the game, and. Everything surrounding this demo situation, honestly, is confusing. It's very confusing. Um, IGN has a breakdown here. I'm going to do my best to explain this, okay? Because like the trail, like in the showcase, they explained it, and I was just like, "Wait, what? Huh?" So I'm going to read what IGN has here. So um, they say here this article is written by Adam Bankers says, while PlayStation 5 owners have already gotten a taste of Resident Evil Village because of, you know, the earlier demo that came out earlier this year, all platforms will soon be able to try out a gameplay demo that will let players explore both the village and the castle portions of the game for one hour. PlayStation owners will have early access to the demo next week, and the village and castle portions will be separated into two days. Each demo will be available to download and play over an eight-hour window, although the game time is limited to 30 minutes for each. I'm going to pause there. Why is this an eight-hour time-limited demo that you can only play on this eight-hour window? And why are we only allowed 30 minutes for each? I don't understand. But continuing, in North America, it goes live May 1st, from 5 p.m. Pacific time to May 2nd, 5 p.m. Pacific time. That seems like a 12-hour window, but okay. Um, that was my brother. <laughs> um, in Europe, it is available May 2nd from 2 a.m. CEST to May 3rd, 2 a.m. CEST. In Asia, it's available May 2nd, 8 a.m. HKT. I believe that's Hong Kong time. I'm not sure. Um, to May 3rd, 8 a.m. HK. The demo will arrive for all platforms, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series S and X, Steam, and Stadia, on May 1st slash the 2nd. And players will have an hour to play both the Village demo and the Castle demo and can choose how they split their time. Okay? Yep, following so far. Does that make sense? No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Okay, exactly. It doesn't make sense. But we're going to keep going. Well, actually, no, let me pause it there for a second. Because this is where I'm, I'm confused. They say that we're able, this demo is going to come out and we'll be able to explore both the village and the castle for one hour. But then it says we have early, PlayStation has early access to the demo and it, and like each one will only be available to download for a certain amount of time and you can only play it for a certain amount of time. But when it's available for all platforms, it's an hour for everyone. So what I'm understanding is the demo that is going to be available early for PlayStation owners is just split in two. And it's 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And then when it's available for everyone, it's a full 60 minutes. That's what I'm understanding. Sure, but, yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing. My, my understanding of it is very hard. It's not the best. Because Capcom explained it so poorly. Yeah. The team explained it so poorly, and they're doing this in this most complex, convoluted way that makes no sense. Just release two separate demos. Say, hey, they, this one you could play for 30 minutes. 
That's when you can play for 30 minutes. And that's the time limit. That's just it. Yep. Just don't do all this. You have an eight-hour time window to play them, and you can only play for 30 minutes each. Don't do that. Either put out a demo for the castle and a demo for the village, and where they're both 30 minutes or they're both 60 minutes, or just put out one demo that says, hey, this has both of them in it. Do what you want. But this whole weird time scheme that you got to bend over backwards to understand is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's very anti-consumer in my opinion. Like it's not, they're not making it easy for anyone to understand. They're not <laughs> releasing it for more than eight hours, which is weird. Like why would and you like, not you just have- release the demo and have, what if it's a half an hour time limit anyway, why would you not just release the demo? It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I imagine they're probably doing it to like keep people from like trying to data mine and hack and stuff. Yeah. But like, I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense in my mind. Yeah. But so the village demo is available today in North America for PS5 players. You could pre, well, when we were, as of recording it, uh, as of recording this episode, you won't be able to play it anymore. <laughs> but the, the village demo. <laughs> Was available was available over the weekend, April seventeenth, um, from five p.m. Pacific time to April eighteenth, one a.m. Pacific time, um, for people to play on PS Five. Um, I think just PS Five. I don't know about PS Four, but I know I'm doing on PS Five. Um, I have it preloaded on my system, so tonight I'm gonna give that a shot, give that a run, and that'll be that. Um, but yeah, so confusing. The castle demo. I could talk about this one. The castle demo goes live for PlayStation owners uh, in North America, April 24th, 5 p.m. Pacific time to 1 a.m. Pacific time. In Europe on April 25th from 7 p.m. CEST to 3 a.m. CEST. And then in Asia, April 25th, 5 p.m. HKT to April 26th, 1 a.m. HKT. Kieran. (laughs) Kieran. Why? Capcom, I don't understand you. I I, I genuinely don't. I don't know why you're being so weird about this demo. And again, it'd be different if it was like the demo was a 30-minute time limit, but you could replay it over and over again. Yeah. Fine. But this is just just ridiculous. This is ridiculous and way too confusing, and I I just don't even understand. I don't even understand. Nope. I, I, I on. Honestly, I've I have given up trying to understand this this paragraph here. I think I'm just gonna move on to the, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. If you're able to play the demo on the PS5 early, play the demo early on PS5. Yeah. Keep an eye out though on when the time ends and other platforms keep an eye on when it comes for you and all like that. Capcom needs to explain this better. Moving on from the whole demo situation though. Um they also announced uh, mercenary mode is coming to Resident Evil Village. It's going to be a, a mode that comes with the game. It's not like a separate buy-in type thing or anything yeah. like that. Um, and it's basically a mode where like you you have to get through a level. You have to get to an endpoint level in a certain amount of time. And you have to get through the enemy. You have to like kill the enemies as you go. And you like rack up points. You could do combos to rack up points. Um, there are ability things you could pick up throughout this level that like maybe make you move faster or help you carry more ammo or make your block a bit stronger and all like that. Um, like you could go to the Duke and like upgrade your weapons as well um, to get through the stage and all like that. It seems cool. 
apparently the mode was last in Resident Evil 6. Uh, I obviously didn't play Resident Evil 6, but the mode is back. It looked like a cool, fun time. Um, so yeah, there's that. That's very exciting. Uh, the showcase also revealed that Dead by Daylight is going to be crossing over with Resident Evil uh, at some point in time. The tease was literally 23 seconds long. All it shows is a umbrella charm hitting the ground and someone being put on the hook. So, I mean, I know that's what happens in Dead by Daylight. You get put on the hook and that's how you die. Yeah. But um, really short tease. <laughs> Super short. Could have easily just been like a press release or a blog post. But I mean, hey, you know, more stuff to celebrate the 25th anniversary. Yeah. Um, it says here that Behavior Interactive will reveal the Resident Evil chapter on May 25th during uh, Dead by Daylight's fifth anniversary stream. So if you're interested in it, keep an eye on that. I don't play Dead by Daylight. So I'm not really interested in this. I don't either. I think I just think it's cool though. Oh it's yeah, cool. Dead by like as I said in the um showcase, like Dead by Daylight is basically like horror. It's basically horror Super Smash Brothers in a sense. Kind it's of like, yeah, actually. We're, like they have all like they have their own original characters, but then you got Freddy Krueger in there. You got Ghostface in there. You got Leatherface, I think. You have Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Yeah. We're gonna bring Resident Evil in there now. Like, it's just a giant crossover of horror stuff. And it's actually really cool. Yeah. I think Michael Myers might be in there. So, like, this is cool on its own. Resident Evil deserves to be in there. Resident Evil is just... You think survival horror, you think Resident Evil. It it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, There was also a short trailer for the CG series coming to Netflix, Infinite Darkness. Um, I, I may watch it. <laughs> I mean, I don't really... I've seen one Resident Evil CG movie. Uh, it was the one that kind of like started off in the airport. I forgot which one it was called. I thought it was fine. Uh, whenever I think Resident Evil CG movies, though, I always think of the scene that I people I see people post on Twitter of Chris, Ethan's brother, Karen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris uh, and this guy, like, basically doing gun kata with each other <laughs> with, ba- with pistols that have totally just like infinite ammo mm. on this roof. Yeah. It is the most... Have you seen it? No. Okay. If, if no one has seen this, look this up on YouTube. Just go on YouTube, type in Resident Evil Chris, probably Chris Gunfight or something like that. Resident Evil movie Chris Gunfight. And it'll pop up. Like, it's ridiculous. They're just going... Like, for... It's about, like... They go at it for a while with just pistols that seemingly have infinite ammo. It makes no sense. It is utterly ridiculous how stupid the scene is, but it's Resident Evil, so you just kind of ro- you you roll with it, and you just like you just let the absurdity just go on. So yeah. they announced all that stuff. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I, I I might actually look into this. Have you watched Castlevania on Netflix? I have. I've seen the first three seasons. Season four got announced. Oh, thank yesterday. God! Um, Season four is coming next month. I believe May thirteenth. Next is month, the final season. May 13th, I believe. It's the final season. Oh, the final season. No, I really, really love Castlevania. There's going to be, they said there's going to be a spinoff series for it, focusing okay. on different characters, though. Okay, that's fine. But no, I, I was going to say, if, uh, if if they do this as well as they did Castlevania, then I'm very excited. I, I'm not going to lie. This is Resident Evil. I have no faith in it being as good as Castlevania. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Because I don't think... Because the Castlevania one was done by a specific person. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think this is done. I don't think that person has any involvement in this. I'm pretty no. sure this is just Capcom doing this. Yeah. So I, because of that, I have no faith in this being as good as the Castlevania one. Mm. It will probably be good by Resident Evil CG movie standards. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Like I said, in the sense of absurd things happen and you just let it be. <laughs> you just watch it and you're just like, all right, here we go. I'm along for the ride, essentially. Um, but yeah, for anyone who is interested, the movie takes place after Resident Evil 4. Um, Leon and Claire Redfield are the main characters. Uh, Leon Kennedy, Claire Redfield. Um, and he's in the White House protecting the president. Uh, and the president is the is the father of Ashley from Resident Evil 4, who Leon was protecting in that game. Resident Evil fans will understand what I mean. Um, so yeah, get excited for that. I think possibly the most surprise. I don't know if I say exciting, but I guess yeah. The most exciting announcement from the whole showcase, though, which I didn't even realize till afterwards. Resident Evil 4 VR. And it's coming to the Quest 2. I am playing this. Mm. I've never played Resident Evil 4 before. Um, I know it's Legacy. Will I be scared out of my mind? Maybe. I don't know. But it's coming to the Quest 2. Playing it for the first time and playing it in VR should be a crazy experience. And Uh, I am looking forward to doing it. I am sure you will be terrified. (laughs) <laughs> probably probably just look i'm just walking in vr i'm just like then i hear the chainsaw i'm just like oh dear god no oh no where are you where are you the chainsaw guy just comes at me in my face oh mm. dear that's that's gonna be terrifying do you do you remember we a, a while ago i think we talked about resident evil 4 getting a remake that like capcom kicked people yes. off yeah is that this no okay just checking this is this wouldn't no 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 no. They that that's uh more like the Resident Evil two and three remakes. Yeah yeah that's that's I don't think that's, it's that's probably, the same style. But like that that remake is like a full big blown yeah big blown yeah that's that's what I was thinking. But I saw this and I'm like, if that's the remake that they were making, then people are gonna be pissed. No 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 no. They would be very clear. Yeah. When is that remake? Um, but yeah, we'll hear more about this on april 21st at the oculus gaming showcase yep. so be sure to watch that if you want to see more about resident evil 4 vr so yeah that was everything from the resident evil showcase um i'm very excited though for village i honestly might end up getting that game when it comes out i'm trying to decide if i'm going to get it when it comes out or just like later on in the year just because you know time i don't know if i have the time to get it when it comes yeah. out but i actually think i want to play that game me too. I'm, like I say, usually not a Resident Evil person, but there's something about this game that's like, play me. Play me. <laughs> yeah, and then you're going to be sitting there saying, kill me, please. Yeah. Kill me. Uh, yeah. Brain, why did you do this? Why did you make me buy this game? You're going to see Lady Dimitrescu pick up her vanity and just toss it across the room. You're going to sit there and be like, ah, could that be me? <laughs> <laughs> why can't that be me? <laughs> mm. Alrighty, but that's all the news for this week. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing this week. Uh, I finished Outriders. Uh, okay, the, the, the Thoughts? Cam- the campaign. Um, <laughs> I I said this on Twitter when I finished it. I would give this game like a 6, maybe a 6.5 at a push. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw that tweet. It's it's not bad. The, the gameplay mm-hmm. is fun. It has really, really cool character and enemy design. I really like that. The The loot that you get is 
you know, it, it, it does make you feel like you're progressing. The skills are useful sometimes, but <laughs> overall, the story was a bit lackluster. I really didn't enjoy the ending. I, I don't feel like it came to a satisfying conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. And I said on Twitter, there's unrewarding character progression. I mean that in the sense of like the class point system where it's like, you know, spend a point to get 10% extra health or when uh, when like a certain number of enemies are within a like close distance to you, you like your assault rifle damage is increased by 8% for every enemy. Like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, they, they make your character a bit stronger, but I don't feel like they added much. I don't feel like they, they changed my gameplay experience. And like throughout the entire like class point system, there's like, it's like three tiers you can go down. Um, it's probably mm-hmm. worth knowing I was playing as the trickster. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah, I remember you told me about that. Yeah. Um, so, but like th- there wasn't anything in that kind of like skill tree section that I was like, I have to have that skill or, oh, that's really going to change the way I play my character. It's it's just like yeah I'll get ten percent extra health sure, like it to to me that didn't really add anything it didn't really it didn't really feel like it it made much of a difference, um, I, so yeah if 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 I was to score the game I'd give it like a six a six and a half I I like going into it about halfway through the campaign I I was like I'm gonna finish the story because I want to see where, like where it plays out. Which once I finished it, I was like, "Wow, I didn't need to finish this." But um, <laughs> I I currently don't have any intention to play that game until maybe the release DLC. But that that's that's dependent on two things: one, the game stays in Game Pass because I'm absolutely not paying for it, and two, if the DLC also goes into Game Pass or is reasonably inexpensive, like fifteen pounds. I don't think it will mm-hmm. be, but yeah, but yeah, um, I, if you have game pass, maybe try it out if you have nothing else to play, but I wouldn't recommend anyone spend money on it. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've seen a whole lot of, like I said last week, I've seen a lot of responses that are like going back and forth on the game Yeah, where someone's like saying like, this game is a whole lot of fun. It's awesome. And the other people like the game sucks. And then people that are like, the game's not all that great, but like some of the powers are fun though. And I've seen other people say, um, do you think we're all just like actually playing this game and enjoying it because there's nothing else out right now? (laughs) Like, is that the reason why we're all actually like on this game? Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I want to make this clear. I don't think it's a bad game. Overall, the the game's okay. The game, the game's, I wouldn't necessarily call it like good or great, but it's, it's, it's pretty okay. Like the, the gameplay itself is there is potential for this game to be good. The, the good thing about games like this is that, you know, they might not necessarily launch the best, but, you know, they can add DLC, they can add improvements, they can add stuff over time that, that could make the game more enjoyable to play. Look at Destiny 2. Destiny 2 launched and everyone was like, there's no story, it sucks, it's the same as Destiny 1, and now it. I would argue Destiny 2 is pretty damn good. So, I'm... I'm going to keep my eye on what Square Enix do with this game, but I don't have any intention right now to play it again. Mm. It's it's a good thing it launched in Game Pass. It's though, a good thing it before. launched in Game Pass. I'm very glad I didn't spend money on it. Do you think that this game would have done as well if it was not in Game Pass? Nope, I do not. I, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I've kind of been of the same mind since this game was announced to be coming to Game Pass. 
But um, obviously, I didn't play it. I had no interest in playing it. Yeah. So definitely interesting to hear your perspective on it like that. Yeah. Um, I also finished the uh, Destiny 2 Beyond Light campaign this week. Um, okay. Fi- was that? Finally, after like six months. Um, <laughs> it's not my favorite DLC. It was pretty good. I, I, I fairly enjoyed the story. Uh, I'm absolutely using the new Stasis subclass from now on. That's by far my <laughs> favorite subclass. Um, okay. But no, I... The story for for Beyond Light is very interesting. I don't actually know if I'm a hundred percent done with it or not. I've I'm I'm fairly sure I've done the main story and I'm just doing like tidy up stuff at the end. Um, yeah. But there are still missions to do within the Beyond Light DLC. Um, I'm right now. I'm doing um, like I say a couple of cleanup stuff, and I'll, I'm also doing the the exotic quest you get for finishing the. I think finishing the campaign. Not entirely sure, mm-hmm. but. No, if if you are, I would recommend you play Beyond Light. It's it it's it's fun. It's interesting. It's it's definitely challenging at, at times. I got so annoyed. I was I was killing a tank. I was killing like one of those big fallen like Walker tank things, and I got it down to like minuscule health, and then I died, and it was a no respawn zone. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Then you have to do the whole fight all over yep. again. Yep. I was. Oh, I, I, I. I. think. I, I think. I quit the game. I'm like, nope. I'm done for now. I'm gonna not play this. Um, oh, I hate that yeah. happens. But no, I would. I, I. I would definitely recommend that if you have not played Beyond Light, I. I. I would get it. It's. It's fairly fun. See, I haven't played since Forsaken, and. I've thought about like when on the lead to Beyond Light, I was like, oh man, makes me want to play Destiny 2 again. Maybe I should get Shadow Keep and then do that and then jump into this. But then I time, time, man. Yeah. I don't have the time to dedicate to a game like Destiny 2. I just don't. And I know they've added so many more complex levels and systems and stuff to the game where it's just gonna be like it's basically gonna be like I'm jumping into this game fresh and just relearning everything. Yeah. And I I don't it might end up being too overwhelming for me. You know, so yeah. Well, uh, it's a game. I'm gonna sit on it for a bit. Yeah, we'll we'll cross play is meant to come out later this year. So if you do get back into Destiny Two, I'll play with you. Okay, yay, yay! <laughs> that was exciting. Um, and just a, a a smaller one at the end. I've uh, I played some Sea Thieves with uh with a couple of my friends because uh, season two started yesterday, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. the, I th- I think they've made it very easy to level up in this season because I'm already leveled like twenty three or twenty four. Um, oh, and nice. we only played for two and a half, three hours, something like that. Uh. So it, it is very, very easy. We did one of the new like mega forts, I guess you could say that they added, um, which takes a fair while. Like I was, um, I was on the ship keeping lookout while, um, my three other friends were off on the island actually doing all the work. <laughs> yeah. Because there was the server we were on, there was a level four Reaper ship and also like a Reaper, like a, a, another Reaper ship, but it was like a normal flag and not the Alliance flag. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so I was on the ship keeping an eye out. But we, it, I think overall, it took maybe forty five minutes to an hour to do with uh, with the three of them. Um, uh-huh. And at the end, we got a large, large cache of loot, which we went and saw. I think I. Hey. I I started the night with just over three million gold, and now I have three and a half. 
So just from that okay. one fort, we made roughly, I think, 350,000 gold, and then we did other stuff as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying uh, playing Sea Thieves again. I haven't played it in a little while. I think I'm playing it again tonight, actually. So oh, cool. I'm, I'm, it's still definitely one of my favorite games that Xbox has ever made, hands down. Nice. Awesome. I'm happy to hear you're enjoying it. That's fantastic. Um, my list is basically a whole lot of ones that I've been playing, been trying to get through. Um, played some Thumper this week. Didn't get too much through it. Um, but the, I, I really like Thumper. Like I told you before last week when I, was, um, when I talked about it. Mm. That game is fun. It is intense. And like when you're in the zone and like getting all the turns and getting everything back and back to back, like just right, mm. it feels so good. You get nailing one level because levels can be done in like a minute. Um, like each, like, well, the sub levels in the overall level can be done in like a minute. Yeah. Um, if you don't mess up. So like getting, being, getting, being like on a roll and like getting everything in one sub level perfect, then immediately getting right into the next level. And like kind of carrying that on, it feels so good. It feels great because you'll just be in the zone, like yes, yes, left, right, go up, down, press it, hold it, turn, move over. It's just, it sounds like I'm playing bopping right now. <laughs> what I'm saying and all like that, but like it feels great. It feels great. Um, so I really like that game. I I probably won't finish it in the coming week, but it's it's a fun game for me to like. I could easily jump on that game, play it for like half an hour, and be like, all right, cool, I'm good, and then jump yeah. over and do something else. Um. So yeah, that Persona 5 Strikers, I've got to play a good, I don't want I don't know if I say a good chunk of it. I played some of that, I think, after we recorded the podcast last week. No, no, I didn't. Because I had to go out last week after we recorded the podcast. Yeah. So I played more of it on, maybe I did play a bit Saturday night, but I played a good chunk of it Sunday because I was like, no. I'm giving myself a day. Last <laughs> week, I had no time to do anything for yeah. myself. I was like, no, I'm giving myself time to do something for myself. So did, I played for a good, let's say, five or so hours Sunday, finished the second jail, uh, and I'm on the third jail now. I'd say I'm almost about halfway done with the third jail, I feel like. Mm. Um, that game, it's... It's fun. I'm. I'm. Ha- I can think. I can safely say I'm at the point now where I am in the zone when it comes to the combat. Like I get the combat. Yeah. I have fully gelled with it. I understand how to do it and how to like successfully like get through fights and all. I still get beat pretty badly sometimes in fights because sometimes things just kind of get thrown out of my control. I lose control of the fight. But I get it now. It's I'm gelling with it more. The story. I definitely understand certain things about the story better now. So I'm all in on it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fully intending to play some more of that this weekend. I don't know if I'll play some today, just because there is something some stuff I need to work on. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to play some more of that today and tomorrow and throughout the week when possible. Uh, Final Fantasy X. Uh, I remember a few weeks ago when I said, "Yeah, I think I'll be done with the game in like a week or so," <laughs> and then. Um, I definitely vastly, well, I think time, like things just end up doing other stuff during the week at night, but also I vastly overestimated like how much more there was to do in the game or I guess underestimated how much more there was to do. Um, But now I am at a point where if me and my girlfriend, if we play the game 
every day next if we play the game tonight tomorrow and like every day next week the game ideally we would be done yeah by the by the time we record next week because there's really not much left to do we are for those who have played the game we are done with mount gagazette we just basically have to leave the post mountain area and do that boss fight after you leave the mountain we do that we go to xanarkin we do the fight there then we get the airship and then after we get the airship we're able to do some like post game stuff. Well, stuff, do some end game stuff. And I imagine I'll probably do like one or two of those things. And then we go to the end of the game. So try to take cutscenes into account and all like that. Cause that's what, that's why I messed up before why I made the prediction. I was like, oh yeah, shouldn't take too long. I forgot. Cutscenes take time <laughs> um, and random encounters too. So ideally, if we're able to play every day, every night for at least two hours, I should be done with the game next week. Possibly. Mm-hmm. No promises on that one. <laughs> I never gave any promises last time either, but I was a bit more confident last time. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving any promises though. Um, and part of why I'm not giving any promises is because of this fourth game okay. on my list. Yes, this, this, this is the one I want to hear about. Because, <laughs> so, <laughs> the fourth game on my list, I have not played this game since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I I haven't played it for, since then for very specific reasons. Um, but this week, and like over the year, like the past year and change, I have had to fight the urge because I'm just like, I'm like, man, you know, it looks like looks like fun, but I, I it's not for me, not not into it. I don't want to do it. But this past week, I was like, I can't ignore your call. <laughs> You're, the pull is getting too strong, and you know what? I can't ignore it. Let me download you. Is it? Let me install. Is it? Is it? The, me, is it the latest crossover that that got you download it? I, I was like, let me let me spend money on you. <laughs> oh, you spend money on it? I said, let me spend money on you because this game is Fortnite, and. <laughs> I the last time I played this game, if I'm correct, was the Infinity War crossover with the Thanos event. That's the last thing I remember playing with that game. And I had fun with the Thanos event. I have not played it since then. Mm. Um so yeah, the you know, they've been doing crazy crossovers. Like the Marvel, they almost got me with the Marvel crossover last year. They really almost got me with that one. Because I was like, oh man, those costumes look so cool. But I was like, eh, not for me. The building and all, not for me. Battle Royale, not really my thing. And then, you know, they had the last season where it's like Master Chief, Kratos, Ellen Ripley, Tron, Ryu and Chun-Li, Banana Person, like all types of crazy crossovers happening. And I'm just like, you know, walking dead in there. I'm just like, come on, don't do this to me. You're like, you're really pulling me, but like, I don't want to play you. I don't like Battle Royale. I don't like all the building. I don't want to have to pay for these skins. And then... Yeah, this season going on. I was like, Lara Croft, crafting. It's like, okay, well, Lara Croft is cool. Raven, okay, that's cool. And then they announced Aloy is coming to the game. And I'm just like, here's the thing. I loved Horizon. Kratos is more of a pull for me than Aloy yep. is. But I think Aloy was the one where I was like, you know what? I want that. I want that. <laughs> and I was like, do I play the game? I was like, 
let's download Fortnite. <laughs> so last night I downloaded Fortnite and I spent 20 bucks on BV bucks so I can buy Ooh, the Aloy skin. $20. And then it, well, cause I got the skin, but like I got her whole pack. So it came with her skin, yeah. her spear, her back, all that jazz. So I got all that. And then I was like, do I want to buy the battle pass? I'm not going to finish it. I know I'm not going to, but do I want to buy the battle pass? And I looked at it. I was like, I said, okay, well, this is at the first level. I was like, the first Lara Croft skin is at 15. The next one's at some other point. Do I want to buy it? How much am I going to play it? And then I spent another $10 on more Ooh. baby bucks and bought the battle pass. No, not 10 bucks, 7.99, so $8 and bought the battle pass. Interesting. I have given... I have never given Epic Games money for Fortnite. <laughs> All those years ago, I never did. But somehow, some way, Aloy was the one that tipped me over the edge and got me to spend $28 on Fortnite V-Bucks. I don't know what to say. I feel ashamed of myself. <laughs> Viewers, look me in my eyes. I am ashamed of myself right now. I can't believe I did this. But I did. It it happened. Are, are you are you having fun playing Fortnite at least? <laughs> I play well. Here's so here's what makes it all the worse. Okay, I'm not good at Fortnite. Okay, because you know building, I'm not yeah, good. I, at yeah, it I, I'm with you on that one. Jumping into it too after having not played for almost three years, it's like I'm freaking playing with two left feet over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like uh, jump. Uh, this is it's like. Like, it's like I'm a 40-year-old playing video games for the first time. <laughs> like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm trying to relearn how to play this game and all like that. So there's that aspect of it. And I, when I play Fortnite, or really any Battle Royale, but specifically Fortnite, because when, when I did Warzone a few times, I was a bit more aggressive. But when I play Fortnite, I'm like, let me just, like, kind of hide as much as I can and not really have to fight people. So I get, like, a kill maybe two and like get to like the last few circles. Yeah. So first match I made it to the end and I died. Um, I had like one or two kills that match. Second match I did. I won that match. I had one, two, I think three kills that match and, you know, mainly just hiding and stuff. It was after the third, it was after that match. I only did two matches because, uh, I just, just time. I was like, I will stop there. But, I was like, wait a second. I remember that they do, they do a thing where they ease you in with bots. Uh, uh, and I, yeah. if I'm right, like if it's your first time playing or if you ever played in a while, I think, mm. they ease you in with bots yeah. and then slowly take more and more bots out. I'm pretty sure I only won that match because maybe the few people I was up against were bots and that at the end. Or maybe they were just like as bad as I was because... Mm. Uh, Definitely was a bit too easy to get those like lat that last kill or two right there. Yeah. So there's that. I did have fun, but it also here's what makes the whole thing of me spending the money on it so much worse. My internet is trash this week, <laughs> so it's like I'm playing and it's fine at some points, but it's lagging at other points, and I'm like, bruh, like I spent money on this, knowing my internet sucks this week, and this and this is the experience I'm having with is lagging. Which is gonna make me not play it, and then why did I even get to spend the money on it? 
You, so you, I don't you, feel you, good about this. You you fell for the trap. You you did it. You. <laughs> I did. I fell for the Fortnite skin money trap, and I'm not happy about it. But you know what? I spent the money. I'm going to play. I will at least try to get the first Lara Croft skin because that would be nice to have. Okay. That's at rank 15 on the battle pass, I think. Do you do you do you have anyone to play Fortnite with? I I think my cousin has Fortnite. I I was just like I just did solos. I'm just like it is what it is. Like I'm just trying to. Because if 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 you want, I I will I will say this on the podcast. I will I will be terrible <laughs> with Fortnite with you if you want. <laughs> it, I we will see. <laughs> we will see. We will see. It depends on you know time. Yeah. And, and other stuff, but man, this—they got me, Karen. Yeah, Listeners, yeah, you, they, yeah, they got you they bad. Got me. They got me bad. I did not think it was gonna happen, but they got me with Aloy. Mm-hmm. Aloy was the tipping point. Not Master Chief. Not Kratos. Not the whole Marvel season they had with Iron Man and Wolverine and all of them and Thor. Not that. Aloy. Yeah, that's the. T- yeah, apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> a character, again, this is not a slight against Horizon Zero Dawn. I loved that game. I love Aloy. Great game. Great character. I love the other things way more. <laughs> Yet somehow, some way, I've managed to ignore their call. Yet for some reason, Aloy and, and this was just like, come on, Tyler. You know you want to play with us. You know you want to use her. Come do it. Come join us, Tyler. Forever and ever and yep. ever. And they got me. So I played a bit of Fortnite last night. And that's all I've been playing this week. I'm going to wrap this up with our question of the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> question of the episode real quick. Who do we think? Because we're going to go back to the whole Square Enix thing. The Square Enix possibly, the rumors about them getting acquired, but then Square Enix came out and denied it. Who do we think would buy Square Enix, though, if a company was going to do it? Now, obviously, everyone's mind is immediately going to go to Microsoft because Microsoft's been out here yep. on an aggressive acquisition spree. Um, some people will say Sony because Sony's in Japan. Why would they buy them? Japanese company, Sony and Square Enix already have a tight relationship as it is. Yep. So it just makes sense. Um, but then I also saw, saw some, people, some people say Tencent because Tencent got money apparently mm. you know and Tencent you know they acquire stuff um who do you think would buy Square Enix every company was going to do so this is not us endorsing a company to buy Square Enix nope, not until I personally do not when I read this when I read the rumors I was like oh come on seriously <laughs> can we not do this I, I tweeted out I was like I swear I was like I don't want this to be a first party I was like if someone buys it please let it not be a first party publisher because this would just be terrible. Yeah. And I was actually very surprised to see a lot of people saying, please don't, please don't let this be a first party if it is the case. Don't let it be Microsoft. Don't let it be Sony. If it had to be one, let it be Sony. But don't let it be either one of them, please. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, my only two guesses would have been Sony or Microsoft purely because they are... I doubt it would be Nintendo. I, I very much doubt Nintendo yeah. would be like, yeah, yeah. hey, screw it. We're going to buy you now. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I also, like... It would be very, very, very unlikely to be like EA, Ubisoft, Take Two, whoever. Um, right. I t- Tencent make mobile games, right? 
I think, but I mean, Tencent, if I'm right, they also have like their claws in Activision and Blizzard, I think. Yeah. They have their, like, they don't own the companies, but they have money involved yeah. in company, in other companies. Epic Games might be a shout for people to buy Square Enix, actually. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. My, my, my thought immediately went to either Sony or Microsoft. I would have guessed Sony above anyone else because of the relationship they have with Square. But who who knows yeah like again like like you said my mind immediately when i read this i was like oh son of a gun don't let don't let this be because i immediately i thought to myself microsoft or or sony would be the ones to do this um well would be the ones looking to buy and i saw someone say like you know microsoft was one of the companies looking to buy and square enix like they came out the night and said hey you know we we're not looking to sell no one has expressed a desire to sell i mean to purchase anything from us just because no one's expressed a desire, though, does not mean that no one is watching and no one is looking to see. So I'm not, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft and Sony are like actively looking at Square Enix to see, hey, what, what, what's going on here? What should we buy and all like that? Um, and I saw some people, again, I don't want either one to buy because that would just be terrible. That'd be terrible for yep. all involved. I don't want to say for all involved. That'd be great for the people that are benefiting from the purchase. That being Sony, Square Enix, and Sony players, or Microsoft and Microsoft players, and so on and so forth. Um, but that would be terrible for everyone who is not benefiting from that in in every way, shape, or form. It's terrible for them. You know, again, we don't want consolidation like that. That's a bad thing. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, but I saw some people saying Microsoft. Could possibly be looking to buy them you know microsoft wants to make ways into japan this would be a way to do it you know but then it could also be i could also i think i saw some people say like yeah or this might just make people this might just get cause microsoft to upset a lot of japanese people because japanese people don't really you know play xbox like that yeah and this might be a way for them to be like oh you're gonna buy it. no forget you we're we're, just, we're not gonna do this just yeah. to get sprayed Although it could also be the other side of the coin where they're like, I guess we have to now in order to get Square Enix games. Um, but then I saw some other people say, well, Sony possibly could and more and would be more likely to be interested in buying them because with Square Enix, Square Enix isn't just games. They have the merchant, they have all their merch as well. Yep. But Square Enix is also involved in some anime stuff too and movies. So like, Sony is involved. Sony purchased an um, anime company. I think it was what Funimation, I think, or something like that. They purchased, like, they have their own anime branch. I'm, I'm, anime. I'm fairly certain Sony own Funimation and Crunchyroll. I think so. Yeah, I think that. I think that's right. But yeah, they have their own like anime division. Yeah. So like, they have a lot more to gain by getting Square Enix. They get some anime stuff. They get movie stuff. They get all the game stuff as well. Like, And, you know, again, it's just the Japanese relationship that they have between the two of them. It just makes a whole lot of sense if Sony did it. So I think... Here's the thing, though. If they were... If one of the two was to do it, it's crazy. It sucks because if a bidding war is going to happen, Microsoft will win that bidding war instantly. Yep. Between them and Sony. It just then becomes a case of does Square Enix go for Microsoft because of the money, or do they stay with Sony because of the, you know, their relationship and all like that? It's very interesting. Mm. Um, again, I don't want either one to buy Square <laughs> Enix. If one had to buy, I guess I would want it to be Sony. 
Um, partially, I guess, because I have, I'm in the Sony camp, but also partially because their relationship there, like it's just Square Enix and Sony, I guess, are somewhat synonymous in a way. If yeah. from a certain point of view, they are synonymous. So it just makes the most sense in my head. Yeah. But I don't want I don't want that to happen. I don't want anyone to buy Square Enix. Let them stay third party. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball and say it's Atari that's buying Square Enix. <laughs> Can Atari buy itself? <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Atari have enough money to buy themselves. I this like gen, that was a genuine question. I have no idea what Atari's fun, fun, um, financials are like. Like, no idea. <laughs> I wonder if they'd even be able to buy Square Enix. <laughs> like, if they could buy themselves, that'd be yeah. very interesting. Hmm. But that'll do it for us this week on the um, on the Play to Win podcast. Uh, Kieran, you know, where can people find you? Well, actually, hold on. Before we get to that, let me talk about our you know all our other stuff first. Um, remember. <laughs> Follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Play to Win Game. Play to Win Game is our Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, we post updates on the show and stuff over there again. Uh, we'll also tweet out some random things sometimes, you know, just related to the gaming industry and all like that. So give us a follow over there on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe over on YouTube. Uh, remember to turn on the notification bell on YouTube so you are one of the first to know when a video goes live and you can watch it as soon as it goes up. Uh, remember, share the show, um, leave likes, comments, reviews on podcast services on YouTube. Watch all our videos. Spread the love. Get every get more people involved. Let more people know about Play to Win. Uh, you know, it's all very much appreciated. Remember, go watch our Friday videos. Go watch Kira's Resident Evil uh, showcase re- reaction to the trailer. Go watch that. Um, do not send him any angry messages if you <laughs> take issue with anything he says. Oh he's no! Why? A, why would they? I'm I'm the world's leading Resident Evil expert. He's an encyclopedia of Resident Evil knowledge. Yeah. But if he says anything wrong, do not send. Do not be too mad. Okay. <laughs> sometimes we all, you know, we, sometimes we just miss a we miss a detail being an encyclopedia and having all the knowledge. Sometimes we miss a detail yeah. too. Um, but go watch his video. Um, check out the Knockout City preview I did last week. If you haven't seen, well, the last week as of recording. If you have not seen that yet. Um, and yeah, go definitely just, you know, spread the love, share the shows and all that jazz. Kieran, my friend, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch at BadlyNet, B-A-D-L-Y-N-E-T, all one word. Fantastic. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. Tweet about a lot of stuff. I like and retweet a lot of stuff, a lot of funny stuff, a lot of cool stuff. Give me a follow. Come chat with me. I like talking about stuff with people. I'm open to conversation. So yeah. With that all being said, thank you all very, very much for watching and or listening. Hope you all enjoyed. And we will talk to you all next week. Have a good one. See you all there.